go. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Tuesday evening, uh, April 30th, 2019. Kicking off the show, Silver by Echo and the Bunnyman. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden. We've got a big show to get to. We have got NBA playoffs. We've got Mets and Yankees as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. But we start with uh, what used to be one of my favorite weekends of the year. And what used to be um, an extremely interesting and entertaining uh, weekend of, of sports viewing, and that is the NFL draft. Um, but unfortunately, uh, it is now devolved into a complete and utter sideshow and is uh, worthy of none of my time. <laughs> I mean, listen, maybe it's a sign of me getting older and the fact that uh, there's maybe something idiotic about watching uh, people call out people's names. Um, but I don't – I mean, that's probably part of it. But uh, the way it's covered now is absolutely atrocious. So uh, we'll get to that first, and then we'll get to the actual draft because I did pay attention, of course – uh, to especially whom the Lions drafted, but every other team as well, because I like to be informed, as of course, as this is a sports show. So uh, I like to know who drafted whom. Um, I have to admit, although uh, I used to do more uh, film study, if you will, on the players, I did not do a ton this year. You know, I watch obviously a lot of college football during the season, um, but I didn't watch a ton of film. Uh, like I used to, you know, there's all kinds, you can go on YouTube, there's all kinds of places you can go to watch at the minimum highlight packages of a lot of the top players, but even some of the lesser known ones. Um, but I stopped doing that mostly because based on the way the Lions have drafted the last few years, uh, the Lions general manager, Bob Quinn, and I do not see eye to eye when it comes to who I think the Lions should draft and who he drafts. Now, uh, granted, um, that's probably a good thing, although uh, I've been right many, many times over the years where uh, previous Lions GMs have been flat out and dead wrong, and Bob Quinn's draft record so far to date has been spotty. Um, but uh, in any event, let's get to first the coverage of the draft. Now, you know, in the old days, right, used to have on ESPN, before pre-NFL Network, right, ESPN was the only game in town, and you had Chris Berman, uh, before he became basically uh, cliche and and sort of uh, uh, you know a caricature of himself, and you had Mel Kiper Jr., who was you know the guy, right, going all the way back to probably the '80s. Um, at least that's where he started, and then on TV in the '90s, and maybe a couple other guys here and there. Uh, now, of course, the draft itself has become an event, right? It always used to just be in New York City. Uh, for years, you know, it was it started out it used to be in a, a hotel ballroom. Um, you know, then I think over the last, then I think it was at maybe the theater at Madison Square Garden. It's been a Radio City, but now because listen, the NFL, uh, God bless them, they know how to capitalize and and keep going to the well and making money on things that they already make money on. So you know, they've got their own network now. So they've got, of course, their folks covering it, and so I think. It's been maybe three, maybe this is the third. Let's see. They did it in Philly the one year. Last year, where I think it was maybe in Chicago, and then this year it was in Nashville. So I think maybe this is the third year. So now what the NFL has done is they rotate through the various NFL cities 
to host the draft, right? So, you know, we've got to have, um, you know, people from that city now show up and get interviewed throughout the course of the draft. I mean, what, what basically it's become a spectacle, and there's very little analysis that is put forth now by the people on TV. I mean, watching some of the NFL Network coverage on Saturday afternoon because I uh, there's nothing on, and I happen to be home uh, late in the afternoon. Uh, you know what I got? I got a lot of interviews of bachelorette parties because Nashville is a big destination for bachelorette parties. So I had to have Kyle Brandt, who's on uh, the Good Morning Football show on the NFL Network, which is a pretty good show. And, and, and Kyle Brandt's a fairly pretty entertaining guy. But you know, he can go a little over the top sometimes. But you know, there he is interviewing you know, multiple bachelorette parties. I mean, they, they, I mean can, can I actually maybe get some, some highlights of the players and some analysis and some breakdowns? I mean, Daniel Jeremiah is one of the best guys in the business at it. I love Daniel Jeremiah. DJ's great. You know, the guy actually worked in, an, in, in several NFL front offices, including the Ravens under Ozzie Newsome, who were one of the best drafting teams in the NFL the last 20 years. So I actually respect his opinion. I like to hear what he has to say, but I can't because I have to get interviews with girls at a bachelorette party. And I got Charles Davis sitting up there on the dais as well, right next to DJ, guy who played at Tennessee, covers a ton of college football games, knows his stuff, is extremely articulate. Gives, is funny, gives great... I mean, I love Charles Davis, too. Can't really hear him either. Again, need to talk to bachelorette parties instead. I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a total waste of time. And then you flip over to ESPN, they're no better. I've got Trey Wingo. They're, they're talking about, I forget who it was, some draft pick. And, and the first thing he starts telling me is about the guy's sister and whatever sport she plays. I don't care. Don't give me human interest stories. Can you talk to me about the player, please? what his pluses and minuses are and how he might fit that team that drafted him. Is it a good fit? Is it a bad fit? Was it a reach? Was it not reach? I mean, it's ridiculous. Ah, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. So I'm done uh, following the draft closely anymore. I'm really done, which is probably a good thing. I mean, really. It's probably uh, healthy that I'm done following the draft this much. So uh, now that we got that out of the way, you got my little off my soapbox. Now we'll talk about the Lions draft real quick. So um, Lions went into this draft with, you know, general consensus, right, was basically they uh, needed to improve the tight end position, needed to improve, uh, probably needed to, to look for a, a right guard since T.J. Lang retired, um, certainly needed help at cornerback. Maybe draft a backup quarterback project, and then you could fill in anywhere else. Maybe a speed wide receiver. You know, maybe some depth for the running backs. Um, you know, edge rusher. Never have too many of those. I'd say their, their top priorities were tight end, cornerback, edge rusher, offensive line, and then the rest you go best player available, and that's fine. And the Lions had extra picks from some trades. Uh, you know, they had they lost a third round pick last year, trading up to get Carry on Johnson, but then they got it back. Not not their pick, but a third round pick back with the Golden Tate trade. Um so, you know, they had an extra sixth round pick and an extra seventh round pick. So they had a couple of extra picks. And um plus of course you have undrafted free agents as well, priority free agents. So, 
you know, a lot of speculation for the first pick was going to be, are they going to take TJ Hawkinson, tight end from Iowa? Came, you know, if you heard my show, whatever it was, three shows ago, I said, I think AG was here for that show. I said I was all in. Uh, that's who the lines took. Listen, I understand ordinarily you don't take tight ends in the top 10 unless they're transcendent talents, transformational players. And even then, you know, how much of an impact do tight ends really have? There's not that many of them. There's Travis Kelsey. There was Gronk. He, he just retired. Um, you know, you go way back in the day. You can go back to Kellen Winslow. Um, you know, in today's NFL, though, right, uh, I mean, certainly um, Zach Ertz for Philly is tremendous. I mean, look, there are some. Where you usually get into trouble with the tight ends, like the Lions did four or five years ago with that dope Eric Ebron, is that he was one-dimensional. He was a pass-catching tight end only, and he's not even good at that one dimension. Right? He's supposed to be this great athletic freak matchup nightmare. Never materialized. I understand he had a really nice year for the Colts this year. Um, great. Good for him. Took him five years. And if you watch their playoff game against... Kansas City, before that game got out of hand, watch Eric Ebron on the first two series drop passes and get a pass uh, stripped away from him and then not be able to to run over a D-back that he outweighs by 60 pounds to be able to get a big first down. That's Eric Ebron. He's a losing player. He can put up all the statistics he wants. The guy's not a winning player. So you usually don't take tight ends uh, that high, but Hawkinson is, compl- is a well-rounded tight end, right? He was an extremely good run blocker in the Big Ten at Iowa. And also look at the program, right? Iowa produces very good players. And he's also a very good pass catcher, right? Just because he's a tall white guy doesn't mean he's not athletic, right? So he can move. He can run. He's not a burner, but he can run plenty well enough, and he's got great hands, and he's athletic. And to be fair, by the way, the great run blocking in college, he's not going to do the same thing in the pros. I mean, they showed some of the highlights. I've seen some of the film where he literally mauls guys. He's doing that against Rutgers and Illinois, two of the worst programs in the country. Like, you know, I mean, I, I got to go. Let me go back, put on some film, watch him play against Ohio State and Michigan, teams that actually have guys drafted off their defenses to play in the NFL. Uh, one was against Maryland, my alma mater. You know, not exactly a stout defense. So, you know, look, but. He's willing, and he's good at it. So he's not going to be the dominant run blocker his rookie year in the NFL that he was in college, but he'll be, he'll be plenty good enough. So it helps you in two ways, right? helps you in the run game, and it's going to obviously be another weapon, a much-needed weapon for Matthew Stafford. We all saw what Stafford went through last year after they traded Golden Tate and then after Marvin Jones got hurt, and with no tight ends to speak of, the Lions passing game was a mess last year, right? And Hawkinson should be able to work underneath routes and up the seams, which is where Stafford likes to go a lot, maybe even replace some of the stuff that Golden Tate did. So he helps in a couple of different ways. Plus, you love his makeup, right? He's an all-football, all-the-time guy, right? Yes, sir, no, sir. We'll go run through that brick wall, I'll do it. Like that. He's exactly the kind of guy you want on your team. So to me, while not a sexy pick, and generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, I would never take a tight end that high, given who else was available... And what the Lions' needs are, I was on board. I was all in on that pick. I think at the worst case, the guy's going to play in the league for 10 years and be a really solid player. At worst. 
The only other argument you could have made was taking Ed Oliver, the defensive tackle, out of Houston after the way the first six or seven picks fell. Now, had Josh Allen been there, I would have taken him, the edge rusher out of Kentucky, but Jacksonville took him at seven. But otherwise, the only other real argument now, in real time, of course, look, there might be guys that get, I'm sure there will be guys that got drafted after TJ Hawkinson in the first, second, maybe even third round that have a better pro career. You can't go back and look at it that way. Look at it who you wanted at the time. That's the only fair way to do it. And so Ed Oliver might have been the other choice, stud defensive tackle from the University of Houston, although the lines are pretty set at defensive tackle right now. And I understand Snacks Harrison is 30. And this is the last year on his contract. But um, they also have Sean Robinson, who's a young player, and they, and they just drafted Deshaun Hand last year. So they're not, like the cupboard is certainly not bare at D-tackle. So uh, if Ed Oliver goes on to be the next Aaron Donald, which some people are predicting he may be, and T.J. Hawkinson turns out to be, you know, nothing more than a, a, a decent, solid player, I'm not going to kill Bob Quinn on that. I will not. Now, second round, a uh, whole different story. Lions took a linebacker out in Hawaii, nobody ever heard of, named Jelani Tavai, um, who was on nobody's radar uh, by most of the, the people that actually look at the draft for a living, the Dame Brugler's of the world, although Dame Brugler actually liked this guy. But even he had him going no higher than the third round. Most people had this guy as a fourth or a fifth round pick. And the Lions took him in the second round at the very beginning of the second, you know, the top of the second round, first eight picks in the second round. Utterly ridiculous. And Bob Quinn can sit there with all his explanations and excuses as to why, because he's 6'2 and 250 pounds, and they like big linebackers and Matt Patricia's defense, and they felt like maybe the Patriots might have taken him. I mean, enough with this, the Patriots are going to take him. I heard the same nonsense last year when I drafted Frank Ragnow. Stop worrying about what the Patriots are going to do. Just focus on your own team, okay? I know both of you guys came from the Patriots, and that's all you know, but you're with the Detroit Lions now. And when you go win six Super Bowls, then I can you can tell me all you want about the Patriots. By the way, the Patriots, whom have not drafted particularly well. You know how the Patriots win? It's called Tom Brady and a, and a, and a ton of luck. Patriots had plenty of busts in the top three rounds of their drafts. Plenty of them. So don't don't give me this nonsense that, oh, well, if the Patriots wanted him, then he's got to be a stud. I mean, all these these slappies, these Lion fans, these Bob Quinn acolytes, so trust Bob, hashtag trust Bob Quinn. What has Bob Quinn done so far? The team's 24 and 24 in three years that he's been here. The very definition of mediocrity. And by the way, 6 and 10 last year with his hand-picked coach. Jelani Tavai. It's ridiculous. And I'm not blasting this pick because I don't know who he is. Didn't help (laughs) that I never heard of the guy. But... Look at the players that were available there. And I don't want to hear about scheme fit and all this other esoteric nonsense that they like to throw out there to try to to throw you off the scent. This was a reach, plain and simple. Okay? Yes, of course, you want to draft players that fit what you're trying to do. I get it. 
You know, if you're a run-heavy team, you're not going to draft an offensive lineman that's a good pass blocker, not a good run blocker, and then you're surprised that he can't run block. I get that. I understand that. The point is that this guy would have been available later rounds. Just like Gettleman is getting all kinds of flack here in New York City for taking Daniel Jones, and we'll get to the Giants' disastrous draft in a second when I go around the league and teams I thought did well and teams that I thought did poorly. But same thing, Gettleman's sitting there trying to, oh, I know for a fact two teams would have taken him before we had a chance to take him in 17. No, you don't. No, you, no, no, you don't. You don't. And, 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 and Bob Quinn doesn't, and, and to, to be fair to Bob Quinn, he didn't say for sure he thought New Tavai was going to be gone, but he thought it was a possibility. So rather than risk it, they'd rather take him. My point is, are, I mean, really, this guy is that good? He's that unique that if you risk losing him and not being available to be able to get him in the third round, that's going to ruin your whole draft? Really? Because if that's your philosophy, then you're doing it wrong. You should have three other guys ranked uh, that do what he does that are probably not going to be a big difference in, in, in play. And by the way, the line signed as an undrafted free agent, uh, Trey Lamar from Clemson middle linebacker, might be better than Jelani Tavai. Might be better. Same thing. You know, big, thick frame, sort of an old school thumper middle linebacker type. Look, of course, I want Jelani Tavai to be good. I'll give him every benefit of the doubt. I'll go by what I see, and I hope I'm dead wrong. But again, to me, this is a classic case of thinking you're the smartest person in the room and overthinking the draft. Guys, it's not that hard. When you see a stud corner like Greedy Williams available, who's 6'3 and 200 pounds and runs a sub 4'4 at LSU, which has a track record of producing outstanding pros, particularly in the secondary... And you have a glaring need at CB2, corner opposite Darius Slay, and the guy's sitting there. I don't want to hear that he's not a fit because he's not an aggressive tackler. How about somebody who can cover? How about that? Nevin Lawson was a great tackler, but he couldn't cover anybody. Actually, I, sh- I shouldn't say that. He actually covered okay, can never make a play on the ball, and was limited somewhat because physically he just wasn't that big. He's a 5'9 corner, Nevin Lawson. So even when he had coverage on guys, guys still made catches over him. And I like Nevin Lawson. I've I've spoken highly of him many times. But you can't have a corner with 40-something starts under his belt with no interceptions. But so you've got Greedy Williams just sitting there, and you pass on him for Jelani Tavai? Sorry, I'm not buying it. Then they traded up in the third round for a safety from BC named Will Harris. Another size speed guy. There was one theme, I will say, in this draft. Lines, size certainly uh, was a focal point here. Almost all across the board. Except maybe in the seventh round and sixth round, which is fine. Then you're just going best player available regardless. But uh, Will Harris, 6'1", 207 pounds. Uh, sub four five guy, you know, captain at BC, Paul Pasqualoni, the Lions D coordinator, knew him when he was a D line coach at BC before he got the Lions job. Uh, you know, another, you know, another RKG right kind of guy. Uh, listen, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I don't know enough about him to. to it seemed high, again, seemed like a reach. Seemed like you could have got him in the fourth or fifth round. Lions elected to trade up for him and take him in the third round. 
didn't hate the trade so much because they gave up a six-round pick, which they ended up getting back by moving down in the fourth round. Um, but again, seemed like a reach. And, you know, I mean, how many say I understand Patricia likes to play three safety sets. What are we going to have, 12 safeties on the roster? I mean, they already had five safeties on the roster. You have the, start, the presumed starters are Quandre Diggs and Tracy Walker, who they drafted in the third round last year. And then you're going to have, you have uh, Andrew Adams, who they just signed as an, a free agent in the offseason from Tampa Bay. And um, who would be the other backup safety? Tavon Wilson, who's an expatriate guy, right? One of the, I think he was the first free agent in the line signed. And then they also have Charles Washington, who's primarily a special team guy, but he's a safety. So they already have five safeties on the roster. So now we're going to have six now? Seemed like an odd selection, too. So I didn't love the second. I, I, I hated the second-round pick. Third-round pick, man, look, I, I, I'm never going to go crazy negative on a, a big, tall, fast D-back. Okay, If they can mold him and turn him into a player, worst-case scenario, rookie year, he doesn't have to play right away, and he's a special teams demon, and maybe play some sub-packages, that's okay. I can live with that. But kind of meh to me. But I like what he did from here on out. Fourth round, traded back, got back that extra sixth-round pick that he traded to move up in the third round, drafted Austin Bryant, defensive end from Clemson. Look, I get it. He played on a D-line with literally three guys that got drafted in the first round. Cleland Farrell, although he got way overdrafted, should never have been the fourth pick. Nice player, shouldn't have been the fourth pick, but that's the Raiders. Uh, Christian Wilkins and then Dexter Lawrence went to the Giants. Also terrible pick by the Giants there. Terrible. Idiotic. First of all, they don't need him. They have two guys just like him, Dalvin Tomlinson and B.J. Hill, who are probably better. Uh, so that made no sense at all. But anyway, we'll get to the Giants in a little while. Uh, but so, listen, I understand he played on a great defense with three great defensive linemen. The guy also played through a torn pectoral muscle. Guy played big in big games against Alabama in the national championship. Um, you know, was productive, eight and a half sacks each year, his, June, his last two years. Um, good size at 6'4", 270 pounds. Probably won't need to play a ton early uh, his rookie year. So I have no issues with that. Again, can never have enough pass rushers. At the very least, you should provide some good depth this year behind O'Quara and Trey Flowers. No issues with it at all. I liked it. I thought it was a good pick. Fifth round, this is where I think Quinn probably maybe redeemed himself the most, which is getting Amani uh, Oriurie, the big corner from Penn State, 6'2", 200 pounds, good straight line speed, sub 4'5 guy. Um Big, tall, long corner, competitive, physical. You know, a lot of people thought he could be a second or a third round pick. Lines got him in the fifth. Uh, I think maybe part of that is, you know, he maybe doesn't play as fast as his time speed, um, but he's got the great size. And, you know, this was a draft that had, you know, a, a, a lot of people were not that, you know, a lot of people had these corners kind of evenly rated anywhere between the second and fifth round. You saw some guys that, you know, I, I think a lot of these guys from this draft class will be starting the NFL within a year or two, guys all the way from, you know, the second through the fifth round. So I thought that was an excellent pick. Then in the sixth round, he took Ty Johnson, my guy from University of Maryland, a very fast running back, had a lot of home run runs, long runs in college, thought wasn't really used properly 
you know, was part of a rotation. You know, Maryland's a bad team. Easy for a guy like that to fall under the radar, but pretty decent size. It's six foot, two hundred and ten pounds. Sub four four guy can return kicks. Look, sixth round. See, when you get to the sixth round, this is that's smart drafting. You take a guy that's got at least one discernible skill. Okay, he's probably not a great pass blocker right now. He's certainly not a between the tackles runner, but he's got one thing that you can't coach, and that's speed. And when he gets to the second level. Goodbye. I mean, he had long runs against every manner of team in the Big Ten. It wasn't just the bad teams. So no issues with that. Thought that was a good pick. Uh, the other one was Travis Fulham, wide receiver from Old Dominion. Got to be honest, don't know that much about him. I know he's a big-bodied receiver, 6'2 and a half, 215 pounds. Kind of came to the game late. Was a walk-on at Old Dominion. Uh, had a very good senior year there. Um, you know, look, Lions need receiver depth. Would I prefer a guy that could, you know, run a little bit better? You know, he's more of a possession receiver. Yeah, but not the end of the world. And then in the seventh round, they took Isaac Nauta, another tight end from Georgia, which basically means Michael Roberts' days are numbered, another dra- a Bob Quinn draft pick. By the way, uh, so listen, I guess I'll give Bob Quinn credit for this. He admits his mistakes because the Lions have drafted two safeties now back-to-back years after he just took one three years ago on Miles Killebrew, who... It was so bad at safety, apparently, they had to move him to linebacker, and he's only a special teams guy. He doesn't even play linebacker. That was a miss. That's a fourth-round pick. And now Michael Roberts, who they just took two years ago in the fourth-round tight end, uh, they drafted, they signed Jesse James in free agency. They signed Logan Thomas in free agency, who's not a lock to make the roster, but whatever, to compete. And they drafted TJ Hawkinson, who's a lock, and Jesse James is a lock. And they also just drafted Isaac Nauta, who I like, from Georgia, who if he would have ran... You know, four seven seven instead of four nine at the combine probably would have been a fourth or a fifth round pick. Not the biggest guy in the world is six three two forty five, but catches everything. Plays faster than his time speed. Played at a big time program at Georgia. You know, and by the way, Georgia more of a run first team than a pass first team anyway. Um, so basically, you drafted two tight ends and you sign a, a, a you gave a, tight, a a big free agent deal to another one. Unless they keep four tight ends. Michael Roberts' days are probably numbered in, in, in Lion Land. So that's, that's two fourth-round picks that Bob Quinn has taken since he's been here that are probably not going to make the team now. That ain't great. When you keep having to, to fill in for mistakes, that's not a great way to build your roster. But anyway, he was this, for one seventh-round pick, and then they took uh, D-tackle from Arizona. Um... Uh, I can't remember his first name now. Something Johnson. Big kid, 6'4", 330 pounds. Um, you know, again, size. Probably a, 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 a practice squad guy. Uh, the pick, the, Actually, the, the two of the more the players I'm more excited about were Bo Benchwall, uh, right guard from Wisconsin, who was an undrafted free agent. I, if the Lions would have drafted him in the fifth round, fourth round, I would have been happy. And they got him as an undrafted free agent. Not sure why. You know, played on a good Wisconsin offensive line, started a lot of games at right guard. You know, 6'6", 310 pounds, has the size. Um, I think maybe some people think maybe he's a little too tall to be a guard. Uh, but, you know, those Wisconsin offensive linemen have a pretty good track record in the NFL. The Lions have one as a right tackle in Rick Wagner. Not that he was great, and he actually under, way underperformed his contract, but has been, before he got to the Lions, a pretty solid right tackle in the NFL. Um 
Wisconsin, again, offensive line factory. So I like that signing. And then uh, I mentioned Trey Lamar, the linebacker from uh, Clemson, middle linebacker. I like him a lot too. Now, look, he's limited. He's a big guy, 6'2", 255 pounds. He's a middle linebacker, old school thumper. But that's okay. You know, that's supposedly Patricia, that's that's his forte, right? Is he, is he, you know, finds what guys are good at and he lets them do that. So if he's playing on first and second down, special teams, whatever, we'll see if he makes a team. But I think he has a good shot at it. And then, interesting, uh, another tight end prospect, this guy Donald Parham from Stetson University, who's 6'8". And had a monster year his senior year. Again, another guy late to football. He's only been playing for organized football for like five years between high school and college. But again, 6'8". Now, look, he's got real skinny legs, and you know he's probably a primary candidate for the practice squad. But the guy put up monster numbers his last year in college. And I saw some highlights and some film on him. The guy looks like he's got great hands. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Again, you take, you're taking a flyer on a guy with a lot of talent who's raw. And again... Hopefully, you know, worst case scenario, maybe makes your practice squad. You get him in your program for a year. You know, you get him stronger, add some muscle, add some weight, understand pro passing game concepts, and then maybe you got something there in year two. So overall, I thought the Lions did an okay job, not great. I would have liked it a lot better, again, if the second round pick was something different. But, you know, as always, time will tell. Right. If, look, if Jelani Tavai ends up being middle, starting middle linebacker on day one, which moves Jared Davis outside where he's probably more suited to play anyway, and, and Tavai has a really solid rookie year, then I'll shut up and I, I will mea culpa. But if this guy is no good, I will hammer Bob Quinn. Hammer him. Remember, Bob Quinn's the old, same guy who thought it was wise to draft an, a, a long snapper when they had the best one in the league on his team already. And Don Muehlbach, and you don't draft long snappers anyway because nobody does, and you can always get them as an undrafted free agent. And then last year, he wasted a seventh-round pick on a fullback, another position that nobody even has anymore in the NFL. And if you want them, you you sign them as an undrafted free agent. So, again, his philosophy and mine, we don't see eye-to-eye. And again, so far the results have been mixed. I'm not saying it's been all bad. Last year's draft so far looks pretty promising. Right? Ragnow had a solid rookie year. Not great, but solid. Carry on Johnson before he got hurt. Looked like a really good pick, and I'll be the first one to admit it. I didn't like it. I especially didn't like trading up for him. Looks like I was wrong. For oh, Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm happy I'm wrong. You know, Tracy Walker, I, I thought that was a ridiculous pick in the third round. When he finally saw the field last year, he looked good at times, promising. Let's not put him in the Hall of Fame just yet. This year will be, this year I think will determine whether or not that was a good pick or not. But he should, you know, Glover Quinn's gone. He should be the starting free safety. Fourth round pick to Sean Hand looks like a steal. He had a very nice rookie year. You know, the year before that, a bit of a mixed bag. Jared Davis, eh, he's been very spotty so far. Decent last year with the six sacks, but still way too many missed tackles in the run game and way too many bad run fits and being out of position. Tease Tabor is a complete disaster so far. Second round pick. Kenny, Dow- Kenny Galladay, third round pick, looks like a great pick. Looks like he's going to be a really good, at very least, a really good number two wide receiver. 
Jamal Agnew in the fifth round looks like a great pick. Should be hopefully a solid nickelback and is a dynamic punt returner. So there's been some good there. There's been some not so good. His first draft was eh. You know, Taylor Decker, eh, so far. Left tackle, been eh. Ashawn Robinson took some big steps forward last year. That looks like a good pick. Graham Glasgow, third round center out of Michigan. Solid pick. Guy's missed one snap in three years. But the rest of that draft, nobody else is still on the team. That's not good. It's been a mixed bag. Very Martin Mayhew-esque, as a matter of fact. All right. Other teams I thought did a good job, or teams that I thought did a good job, I thought the Redskins had a really good draft. Again, uh, staying put at 15 and getting Dwayne Haskins, fantastic. Redskins need a quarterback of the future in the worst way. Alex Smith, first of all, is old and is not that good, as you well know, if you ever listen to me. Uh, and coming off a horrific leg, leg injury, you got to assume his career is done. Even if it wasn't, they would still need a quarterback of the future. Uh, then they traded for Case Keenum, who's merely a placeholder, same thing. So, you know, there was talk of them maybe having to trade up, maybe even with the Lions, to try to get a Drew Locke or to try to get a Daniel Jones or to try to get Dwayne Haskins. I don't think they ever thought Dwayne Haskins would be there. You know, he's a local kid, went to the Bullis School. It's a very uh, prestigious prep school there in the, uh, the DMV, D- uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. Uh, was supposed to originally have gone to University of Maryland and then decommitted and ended up going to Ohio State. Um, so, you know, uh, he's a hometown kid. Look, uh, he's certainly not a finished product yet by any stretch of the imagination, but he did throw 50 touchdowns last year uh, playing against some pretty good competition. And he seems like a really good kid. He's got an NFL body, got an NFL arm. He needs work, no question. But you know what? The rest of that Redskins roster is pretty good. They can see if they could try to win the game with Keenum, you know, with a good running game and a good defense. Redskins should have a good defense this year. They could stay healthy. They were so banged up last year. Uh so they got him, they got Montez Sweat, who they traded up to get, who, look, if the Lions would have taken him at eight, I wouldn't have minded either. Pass rusher extraordinaire out of Mississippi State, who, you know, physical freak, ran a four, I think sub four five, ran a four four one at 260 pounds and 6'5 at the combine. And has production in college to back it up as an outside defensive end edge rusher from Mississippi State. Again, playing in the SEC, top competition. So Redskins got two guys that a lot of people had ranked in the top 10, and they got one at 15 and the other guy in the 20s. Pretty good. And I like the rest of their draft, too. So, uh, you know, they got uh, take, they took uh, Bryce Love, the running back from Stanford. Yes, he's coming off a knee injury, but if he would have come out two years ago, it would have been a first-round pick. They got him in the fourth round. Um, they got the receiver, uh, uh Harmon from uh, NC State in the sixth round. Guy all does is catch everything thrown his way. He's a big reason why Ryan Finley was successful, who was the quarterback there. Um, so I like what the Redskins did. I thought they had a very nice draft. But Baltimore, as usual, did a good job, right? Marquise Hollywood Brown, the wide receiver from Oklahoma in the first round, great pick. Jalen Ferguson, third round, edge rusher, replaced uh, Zendaria Smith, who they lost in free agency, great pick. Baltimore always gets it right. And listen, Arizona, yeah, they swung. They certainly swung for the fences with Kyler Murray. 
after just drafting Josh Rosen the 10th pick overall and trading up to get him last year to be their quarterback of the future, firing their head coach after one year. Somehow the GM, Steve Kime, still has a job there. Hiring Cliff Kingsbury could have win in, in, in college at Texas Tech and got fired from Texas Tech. That's who they decided to be is going to be their head coach. And because he's in love with Kyler Murray, they drafted Kyler Murray. And then they traded Josh Rosen to the Miami for a second-round pick. But all the players they drafted after Kyler Murray, and I like Kyler Murray. I don't think he's worthy of the number one pick in the draft. Like, it's insane. But, look, the NFL's changing. Quarterback position's changing. Now, he's a better thrower. He's got a better arm and is a better thrower, a more accurate thrower than Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, same, same mold as far as the, the ability to run, which is next level. But Kyler Murray is tiny, tiny. They could tell me you could tell me he measured a 5'10 at the combine all you want, he's 5'9. Okay. Let's let's just let's start there. And he's about 185 pounds. That is tiny. And they're gonna try to do a lot of read option with him. He's gonna get lit up and he's not gonna play 16 games. There's no way. So to take that, and that's a big part of his game. And look, he's an electric runner and he's a good thrower. I mean, I like him. He's a good player. I think he has a chance to be a good quarterback in, in, in the NFL. Number one overall pick? No way. But they surrounded him with a lot of good uh, other picks. As far as uh, receivers concerned, let me look this up again. They took uh, Hakeem Butler, the big monster out of Iowa State. Uh in I believe the third round. Let me just let me just go to the look here. Let me just take a look at their picks. They took Kyler Murray, of course, number one overall. What was their next pick? Oh, they took the D back out of Washington. Eh. Um. But I thought Hakeem Butler was a great pick. Taking Caleb Wilson even as the last pick of the draft, the pass catching tight end from UCLA made a ton of sense. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson, not that one, from uh, Fresno State. Another wide receiver is a good pick. Um, Deontay Thompson, the safety out of Alabama in the fifth round, I thought was a really good pick. So I thought the Cardinals had a really good drive. Oh, and Andy Isabella, the tiny little speedster wide receiver from, from UMass. So they certainly given Kyler Murray all kinds of weapons. They already have David Johnson on the roster. They already have Christian Kirk on the roster. And, yes, the ageless wonder Larry, John, uh, Larry Fitzgerald also coming back. Oh, they also took Zach Allen. Right. I mean, the defensive end out of BC. I mean, I thought the Cardinals had a really good draft. Now, teams that – oh, Byron Murphy, sorry, the D-back from uh, Washington, who I'm not as high on as everybody else, but whatever. Everybody loves him. So, But I regardless, I thought they had a really good draft. Now, teams that struggled, uh, the Giants first and foremost. My, my man Justin, apoplectic, and I don't blame him. You know, we heard all this nonsense from Dave Gettleman about how you don't reach for the quarterback and blah, 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 blah. And you see, the the thing about Gettleman, and look, I thought the Giants had a very good draft last year. I'm on record as saying it. I thought Barkley was the right pick. I love the Will Hernandez pick. I love the Lorenzo Carter pick. And I love the B.J. Hill pick. I thought they did. A, I thought they nailed the draft last year. I'm on record as saying it. My post-draft show last year said the Giants had one of the best drafts. So I don't think Gettleman's a complete moron. But I do not understand what he was doing this year. Again, uh, Daniel Jones, who, by the way, I like second-round pick. 
Like him. Watched him in the bowl game. Thought he looked really good. 6'5", 220. Moves better than you think for a guy that size. Doesn't have a gun for an arm, but probably strong enough. Excellent touch, though. On the deep ball. Drops the ball in the bucket nicely to receivers in the end zone. Accurate, smart, tough. Like him. There's a lot to like there. But he's not the sixth pick in the draft. I'm sorry. Giants wanted to go quarterback there. To me, you take Haskins. Now, look, the Giants are going to sit there and tell you that, you know, he got coached by David Cutcliffe, who's the head coach at Duke, who's a quarterback whisperer. He was Peyton Manning's coach at Ole Miss. He was the quarterback coach or the offensive coordinator at Tennessee. I mean, sorry. He was Eli Manning's coach at Ole Miss. He was Peyton Manning's, I think, position coach at Tennessee. The Mannings love him, right? This kid Jones went to the Mannings passing camp. I mean, but you get the idea that basically the Giants are drafting Eli Manning 2.0. And if maybe Dwayne Haskins was close to the Mannings, and played at Duke, he would have been the, the choice. Like I, I think the Giants try to talk themselves into this. It's kind of like the lines with Jelani Tavai, right? Oh, well, he's got the size we like for linebackers, and, and the Patriots like that kind of guy too, and we might have we lost him out, out on him to the Patriots if we didn't take him in the second round. Same thing with the Giants. It's like you're, you're maybe seeing things that really aren't there. You're trying to talk yourselves into this thing. So, again, I don't think he's a bad player, but certainly a reach. And, again, to me, once Josh Allen was available for the Giants at six, you take him. And especially, look, Gettleman just contradicted himself. You know, he had said earlier in, 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 you know, in, in the months prior to the draft, look, you know, there were four games where if we get one stop on third down, we're off the field, we win the game. Well, you know how you do that? By drafting Josh Allen from Kentucky, who's a stud, who's not just a pass rusher, who I watched cover backs flawlessly out of the backfield in college at 255 pounds. And then you take Daniel Jones at 17. And again, Gettleman sat there and said, well, you know, because he was asked that question. He said, well, I know for a fact there are two teams that would have taken him at 17. No, no, you don't. You don't. And if you're so, and if you love Daniel Jones so much and you're worried that the Redskins are going to take him at 15, which we know that they wouldn't have because they didn't because they took Haskins. And they didn't take Haskins because Daniel Jones wasn't available, believe me. The Redskins were thrilled that Haskins was available at 15. But let's just say for argument's sake, the Redskins were going to take Daniel Jones at 15. Then you trade up with the team at 14 to go get him. The Giants had draft capital. You could do it. If you're, if you're that sure that Daniel Jones is the guy, then you even give up next year's first-round pick for him or second-round pick or whatever it takes to move up from 17 to whatever, whatever number you need. So, I mean, just a huge reach. And then, again, I talked about it. I did not like the Dexter Lawrence pick at all. Uh, again, it's a position the Giants don't even need. Uh, I did like uh, O'Shane Jimenez, the pass rusher out of Old Dominion uh, in the third round. Oh, I, uh, DeAndre Baker trading up. I never liked trading up that much. The Giants need corner help. A lot of people thought Baker was the best corner in this draft. Rock solid player out of Georgia. 
Got him with a 30th pick in the first, you know, uh, 30th pick overall late in the first round. Good, solid pick. Jimenez I like. I like Julian Love, the, another corner out of Notre Dame. Uh, I thought Slayton, the receiver from Auburn, a little raw, but he's got speed. Again, you, you look at when you get late like that, I think it was a six-round pick. You want guys with at least one discernible skill that stands out. The guy can run. Had some production at Auburn. So I thought they got a little bit better later, but again, the Jones thing. I mean, look, time will tell. Again, same thing. You know, if in two years from now Jones is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, then we'll all look like idiots and Gettleman can have the last laugh. And I hope for the Giants and their fans, I hope he's right. I do. Uh, another team that just cannot get out of its own way. And, I, and listen, I understand all the guys on TV are rooting for Mike Mayock, especially on the NFL Network because he used to work there. Uh, the Raiders are a joke. They're, they are a flat-out joke. First of all, taking Cleveland Farrell as the fourth overall pick when Josh Allen and Ed Oliver uh, are still on the board is, is lunacy. Cleveland Farrell, good, solid player. He's like a 15th to 30 type guy. I mean, first of all, you better hope he's not Kevin Dodd who he kind of looks like, same school, plays the same position from Clemson because he's already out of the league. I don't think he will be. But um, to take him at four is ridiculous. That, again, that's, that's, that's seeing something that only you think you know that nobody else knows. Uh, the Josh Jacobs kid, I, I do not get it. The running back from Arizona, uh, from Alabama. I mean, nice, nice back, but I, I, mean, I, 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 don't, I do not see what everybody loves about him. Let me see. What else? What were some of the other Raiders asked? Oh, they took the kid from Clemson way too high. The, uh, the, let me see. What the, uh, why can I not find? Uh, come on. Come on, Jamali. Let's go. Let's get with the program. Okay. I thought they took, let's see, can I get, no, I can't get the picks, huh? I can't just get, I can't just get just an easy listing of who their picks were now. It's a lot to ask for, huh? Wow, this is some disaster. Okay, let's try, let's try the old, old faithful, even though it's a horror show. ESPN.com, NFL. Draft, and we'll go to teams. Come on, do do something for me. Can you give me something? Hey, here it is. Okay, Cleveland Farrell overdrafted. Josh Jacobs, eh. Uh, but you know what? They need a running back there. I can't kill him on that pick. Jonathan Abram, State from Mississippi State, uh, another first round pick. You know they had all these first round picks because of the Cooper and uh, Mac trades. Jonathan Abram, good player, more a box safety though. Uh, a little high for my taste uh, there, first round. Trayvon Mullen in the second round, Clemson cornerback, too high. Uh, Max Crosby uh, from Eastern Michigan in the fourth round, too high. Uh, Isaiah Mar- Johnson from Houston, fourth round, that's supposed to where he's supposed to go. Foster Moreau, tight end from LSU, same thing. Hunter Renfro. I mean, listen, not a terrible, the players are pretty good. I just thought they overdrafted him, particularly the Farrell one. Whoops. So we'll see. Again, could be wrong. 
All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with a little NBA playoffs right after this. Okay, and we are back here on another edition of Jamal About Sports. So, NBA playoffs, uh, you know, so far no surprises. I mean, I guess a little bit of a surprise in that Denver beat San Antonio, um, although Denver was the second seed. Uh, you know, I predicted San Antonio would win that series. Obviously, I was wrong. I'll give Denver credit. Um, you know, uh, um, Nikola Jokic, their center, played outstanding. Uh, and in fact, actually, they already played a game. They beat Portland last night. Uh, my guy, Ennis Cantor, with a semi-separated left shoulder, put up 27 points and seven rebounds last night. 11 for 14 from the floor, 4 for 4 from the foul line. With a separated left shoulder. Out there giving his all. But, but again, not the right kind of guy for the Knicks culture, I guess. Uh-huh. When Kevin Knox at 19 years old just basically lazes about out there on the floor. That's the future. But Ennis Cantor, 26, can't have him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. I digress. <laughs> um, but uh, Toronto got past Orlando, thankfully. I mean, for them. Um, they're now tied one-one with Philly in that series. Uh, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Philly in seven in that series. Um, I mean, Kawhi Leonard is great, and he's one of the probably three best players in the NBA right now because he does it on both sides of the floor. But um, Philly, I think, is a deeper team overall. Uh, they're a more talented team now. There might not be a better team. They have more talent there. I mean, look, uh, Siakam has played great for Toronto, too. Kyle Lowry, uh, I, I, I've seen all I need to see from Kyle Lowry. Yeah, Kyle Lowry's only going to get you so far. Toronto needs to get, get themselves a better point guard than him. And, you know, the Fred Van Vliet's of the world, Norman Powell, their bench guys. I mean, you know, they're nice little players. But, I mean, you know, the, the Sixers are a deeper team. They're a better team. I mean, Harris, Redick. Embiid. I mean, when Embiid is engaged and healthy, he's a top eight player in the league, and he's a, 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 a tough to stop. You know, I mean, Marcus Saul is a nice player. He's a little past his prime. I mean, he can give the Raptors some stuff in spurts, but I mean, anything over twenty minutes, and you're pushing his limit. You know, Abaka is a nice player, but he did not have the size to stay with Embiid. So. I'm going to go with Philly in seven there. The big game and the big controversy was a Sunday game between Golden State and Houston. And Houston moaning and groaning about James Harden not getting foul calls when he takes these three-point shots and then he jumps in the air and then throws his body forward into the defender because of this stupid new airspace rule that the NBA is emphasizing the last couple of years so that after a guy releases a jump shot, even if you don't touch him while he's in the act of shooting, if after he shoots and his follow-through, if he comes down and even nicks the defender, somehow that's supposed to be a foul. And so now what guys like James Harden do is they create the contact, they initiate the contact on after the release, and because they're superstars, they get these calls all the time. Except you're not going to get those calls against Golden State. And by the way, James Harden is the last person in the world that should be complaining about anything when half the time, the way he frees himself up to take these shots is he elbows guys out of the way or he forearms guys out of the way and he never gets called. So shut up, James Harden. And 
And then the NBA does this stupid thing where they do the two-minute report at the end of the games, and they say, oh, yeah, our bad. We, 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 uh, Steph Curry should have fouled out of that game because then you know he ended up making a huge three late when they were up two to make it a two-possession game with under a minute left. Um, I mean, you know, look, this stuff is so subjective. I mean, you know, it's the playoffs. You could call fouls all the time. You know, the announcers are saying, while he's committing a foul, that's great defense. No, it wasn't. He was committing a foul the whole time. But, you know, they're embarrassed, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it, the whole NBA is a joke. I mean, it's just guys whining and lobbying for calls nonstop. But to, well, certainly that series, those two teams. You know, Kawhi Leonard doesn't say boo. He just goes out and plays. I mean, this Denver-Portland series is going to be a good series. Unfortunately, I'll never see it. Every, every game's at 1030. Oh, man. I mean, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to DVR the games. And I'm not that into that series. I'm going to DVR the games and sit there and watch the whole game. You know, neither of those are my teams. I mean, I'd like to be able to watch the game in real time. And then in the East, Boston demolished Milwaukee in the first round. Not surprising. I mean, look, Boston, we talked about them all year. If they're actually engaged and, and, and prima donna, you know, Kyrie Jenner is actually feels like playing, the, the Celtics are a better team than Milwaukee, top to bottom. Particularly with the Bucs still don't have Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, Antetokounmpo is great, and he arguably is the MVP this year. But after him, they don't have a lot. You know, the Celtics are a much deeper and better team. But I suspect, you know, you see this all the time in the NBA playoffs. The team that loses game one generally comes, unless it's a huge disparity between the two teams in talent, usually comes back and wins and wins game two. Right? The Bucks are going to be a desperate team. I suspect they will come back and win game two. I think that's a six-game series, Celtics winning in six. I got Philly winning in seven against Toronto. Um, you know what? Denver, I honestly don't know a lot about that team. I mean, Jamal Murray, really good scorer. Obviously, uh, you know, talk about Jokic, the center is fantastic. You know, Paul Millsap, eh, he's all right. Nice player, I guess. And then, you know, they've got Gary Harris. They've got Will Barton. Uh, Malik Beasley, this guy Craig. I mean, I don't know any of these guys. But yet, every other game, one of these guys has a really good game alongside of Jokic. So, um, you know, and, B, and and Jamal Murray can really fill it up too when he gets hot. And again, I like Portland, but the model with McCollum and, 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 and Lillard only gets you so far. And, you know, like last night's game, I saw, you know, uh, Al-Farik Aminu and, and, and Mo Harkless both had terrible games. I mean, they, they're not going to win. They lost by nine. I mean, it was a close game. It was tied at the half. They were down three going in the fourth quarter. Not like they got blown out. They played pretty well. But, I, I mean, you know, and Cantor did all he could do to try to match Jokic, who had, I think, 36 points, nine rebounds, and seven assists. But, um, you know, those role players for Portland are going to have to step up. I mean, Lillard and McCollum can't carry the load the whole time and, you know, throw in Cantor. And again, Denver, it, like, they, they, there's no logical reason that they should have had the second best record in the West. But they somehow just managed it. It's sort of the sum is greater than the whole of the parts kind of a situation. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick Denver in that series. I'd like to see Portland, but I think Denver will win. 
Look, what I'd like to see, my ideal matchups in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals would be Golden State versus Portland, and it would be and a healthy Ennis Cantor for Portland, and it would be um, Toronto. No, sorry. Yeah, Toronto-Milwaukee. But I think we're going to get Philly-Boston, which won't be bad, except I can't stand either team, but it should be good basketball. And we're going to get, well, listen, we'll see. I mean, Houston certainly can go toe-to-toe with Golden State. They can. And I can't stand either of those two teams either. I love Steve Kerr as a guy more than anything else, but um, the coach of the Warriors. But... Uh, I find that team really tough to take. They're so smug. Steph Curry's really tough to take. You know, Durant, listen, Durant's great. He's been playing out of his mind. He had 50 points one game. I mean, his last, like, eight playoff games, he's averaging, like, I think close to 40 points a game. He's been playing great. He's a great player. He will be a disaster for the Knicks, but he's a great player. All right, that's going to do it. As always, check us out on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, the website is jamalaboutsports.com. Uh, thank you to my uh, friend and uh, social media guru maven, Mike Venker Jr., for getting me the website back. We had a little issue. It's back. Uh, Facebook page, Jamal About Sports. Twitter is at Jamal About Sport No S. Thanks for listening. Enjoy all of the sports. We'll be back with another show next week. Until then, peace out.